Welcome to a very special episode of the ABC Music Talk podcast. As part of the current affairs category, I'm here with one of my favourite industry professionals, someone I've known ever since she started in the music industry, to acknowledge and celebrate International Women's Day. Welcome to the show, UK and Ireland, Director of Business Development <laughs> for Song Trust, Laura Baker in the house. Hello. What an intro. Thank you, Alex. You're too Gen- kind. Genuinely, you are one of my favourite people to be around oh. in the industry. Um, so if, I know you're an avid listener to all my shows, and you know that I normally <laughs> plug Rota at the beginning. Yes. Um, but we've got too much to discuss, so I kind oh, of, I'm, okay. I'm not going to do it. Straight in there. It's one of those wonderful things of being the boss <laughs> of your own podcast. Uh, boss of one, of course. Um, but, yeah, but, um, but yeah, do go Rota your videos, of course. Um, so uh, I want to start because I've, I've mentioned you before on mm. uh, previous episodes um, and when I originally wanted to come and talk to you uh, just in general, I wanted to kind of focus on something that I'd seen you, you write in a blog post and it really yeah. spoke to me and I thought it was an important issue. I did however cover it in the mental health issue, uh, mental health episode sorry, with Tristan Hunt uh, quite well so I kind yeah. of think we can probably just skip over it a little bit but I do just want to sort of just mentioned that, that you know yeah you, you are on other episodes and you perhaps didn't even realize um, <laughs> yeah I, I love that episode by the way I thought Tristan is is so wise when it comes to mental health and and how to manage the challenges of the industry and yeah it's a really interesting episode yeah it's it's got a lot of good feedback um mm. it's obviously a hot topic at the moment in, in the music industry as it should yeah. be um as indeed should some of the things that we're going to be talking about yeah be, absolutely um, which is great it's a great time to be in an industry that's uh, showing more concern now um before we get into it, I kind of feel like, given that it's you, that <laughs> I should tell a story. Uh-oh. Um, do, you, do you know the story I'm about to tell? I really don't. <laughs> really? Okay, I'm going to give you a clue. Medem, 2012. Oh, it's not the Jazzy Jeff story. It is the oh, Jazzy Jeff no. story. You didn't tell me this was coming up. I know, well, yeah, because you need genuine surprise, right? Otherwise it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Should we tell the story? Uh, the reason why I want to tell it, right, is one, because <laughs> it's a great story, but two, I kind of want people to know and this is obviously aimed at people coming into the industry. Yeah. If they ever come across the mighty Lara Baker, yeah. then they, they've got to know who they're dealing with. Okay, all right. Right? I, I'm okay. looking forward to hearing it. Are you sure? Okay, so <laughs> I, have, I, I suffer from a revisionist history, so okay. do pick me up on any, uh, right, any, any inaccuracies that I may have. I'm ready, let's do it. All right, so it goes like this. So we've done a day at Medem, you know, lots of meetings, whatever. Uh, we meet up in the evening after dinner, I think it was. Um, because DJ Jazzy Jeff, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and other things, uh, yeah. is playing a DJ set at a, at a yeah. club. Who wouldn't want to see that? And who what wouldn't want to see thing. that? Right, that like childhood dream, right? Yeah. So we're standing quite far to the back. I think. I think we're with a few other people, like David Riley and Sharon, and maybe and a few yeah. others. Um, and uh, and and we, you know, we're obviously kind of like, wow, it's amazing. How busy it is, all the rest of it. And and I think I said something like, I'd love to meet him. And you turned around and said, I bet I can get up on stage. And go and meet him. Hmm. Is that right? I'm not what sure. What was what was it that you this said? Is right. I felt my my memory is go that on. you said something like, "I bet you wouldn't kiss Jazzy Jeff." Oh, that sounds highly incendiary. <laughs> the sort of thing I'd <laughs> and say. I, sort of thing I I'd thought, say. well, I could just go up and give him a kiss on the cheek. Why not? So, um, so you bet me all the money in your pocket that I wouldn't kiss, I did. kiss Jazzy Jeff. And I went up on stage and said, I, I need to give you a kiss on the cheek, Jazzy Jeff. And I did. And then I took your money. You did. So, uh, that, that, okay, so I'm glad you told it that way. Because I was going to say that, but I thought, is that what we actually said? I can't remember. It's the sort of thing I might say. Um, but yeah, uh, it was like, it was quite a half decent amount of money as well. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no regrets. But I, but I paid up, right? You did. So there you go. So yeah, if you so, do make uh, bets with me, I will pay. Because I will lose, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't make bets with Lara. She will win. 
mm-hmm. uh, every time. All right, cool. So fortunately <laughs> for this episode, um, you, uh, you've helped me prepare for it. Um, yes. Because I'm by no means an expert on it, and uh, so I really appreciate um, everything that you, you've done to try and cover, let's face it, the important topics, right? Yeah. Um, so it's obviously it's recognizing uh, International Women's Day, but we're mm-hmm. kind of obviously give it a, a, a music industry sort of bias and slant, if you like. Yeah. Um, given the uh, the listenership. Um, so first of all, can you just quickly introduce what International Women's Day is? Just the highlights. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it 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 kind of is fairly self-explanatory in that it's a global celebration of women and it's geared towards you know encouraging greater equality and celebrating you know women who are doing amazing things and you know it's just a really positive thing that happens each year and there are things that happen in the music industry there are things that happen in London but you know in every industry and all around the world people are marking the occasion on the 8th of March. It's very exciting. Yeah, so this is going to go out on the 8th of March. We were recording it a couple of days uh, before. Um, yeah, so I think on the website is, is raise awareness against bias and, and take action for equality. Yeah. Uh, and that word equality is, is super important. Mm-hmm. So um, as, so you did listen to the, the Tristan Hunt episode. Yeah. Okay, so you may remember I asked him a question, which was, does he consider himself an activist for mental health? Now, same question to you for uh, women's rights. Do you consider yourself an activist? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I would hope that a lot of people are just by, you know, kind of caring about it and doing what they can. Um, so there are certainly people who are much more involved in, in making positive change happen than I am, but we can all, you know, be activists in, in our own small ways. But, but let's just um, pause for a second here on some of the things you have done. There's okay. a list. There's a, there's a big list. And, then, and, they're not in, they're, and they're not insignificant. They are, they are huge things. Uh, my particular favourite um, was the, the pledge that you made 10 years ago to make all AIM conferences 50-50 uh, gender splits. Yeah. Something which you then also managed to achieve at BBC Introducing. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was quite challenging as well because the BBC Introducing Live event at Tobacco Dock that I was programming in 2018 was a huge event. I think I booked something like 520 speakers from across the music industry in the end, you know, artists and execs and, you know, people at every level. And I, yeah, we we did the key change pledge, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about at some point. And I was really devoted to getting a 50-50 gender split. But when you're talking, you know, 500 and something speakers, it's it's quite hard. It is hard, yeah. So I, I obsessed over it. Yeah, but, but but you achieved it, which just yeah. just goes to demonstrate that these things are possible. Yeah, absolutely. Conferences who say, you know, oh, there's not actually enough women, we can't do it, you know, they're, they're just being lazy. Uh, and actually, in sort of relation to it, you, you also uh, worked with Alison Wenham uh, to create a, uh, a regular free public speaking uh, like training workshop. For women, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So one of the things I noticed uh, back when I was working at AIM and working with Alison, she was the CEO at the time, um, I was trying to make our events 50-50 and so many more women were turning down speaking invites than men. Um, And we realised that maybe there was a bit of a confidence issue and Alison is an incredible public speaker, I'm sure you've seen her lots of times. Um, And so we thought, well, maybe this is something we can easily address. So we set up a workshop which... Alison delivers and I would um, promote it through various women in music networks like she said so and so on and yeah filled the places with women who just wanted to be more confident in their public speaking abilities 
and you know we've done dozens of them through the years and although neither, neither of us are in the roles that we were in at AIM anymore um, I know Alison has done these workshops since through She Said So and for the MMF and you know it's, it's still a really positive thing that, that happens yeah no I mean it, but I, I liked those two because they were obviously intrinsically linked to, mm. to solving the problem yeah. Right, which which is just incredibly proactive. I'd expect yeah. nothing less. So um, so let's talk a little bit about your background, and because mm. I know that there's a couple of other things that you did, kind of with the, the large part of your work, which was uh, with the Trade Body AIM, uh, yeah. uh, Association of Independent Music, represents yes. UK uh, independent record labels. Yeah, um, and self-releasing artists. And self-releasing artists, of course. Mm. Yes. Um, so yeah. So because uh, I was at AIM when you joined, right? Yeah, we were both there in sort of 2004, 2005, yeah. at the beginning of digital music. Absolutely. Um, you know, long before digital distribution existed, and and uh, yeah, you were kind of working out how to navigate that landscape for the indies, and yeah, I had just started. Yeah, that was the, the beginning, the beginning yeah. days, uh, but what a great environment to kind of come into the, the industry under someone like Alison, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah I think I was... Um, I mean, I probably didn't realise the extent to which the industry has a kind of gender imbalance because I was so privileged to work for such a sort of powerful, encouraging female CEO. Um, you know, so it was it was a great place to start. Yeah, and so what what were you kind of like the big achievements? I'm obviously, thinking about the award show. Yeah, at AIM. Well, I guess um, in those days, my my big achievements were well, one thing was starting the Women in Music conference, which came to be supported by the Mayor of London, which was amazing, and it took place at City Hall each year, and we had all these incredible female speakers like Kanye King, who founded the Mobos, and Melanie C, an actual Spice Girl wow. at one of my events. Wow. Um, that blew my mind. And so, yeah, I was really proud of that. And then also the AIM Awards, which um, I sort of started from scratch in about 2010. Yeah. And you know, continues to be this amazing celebration of independent music. Absolutely, I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible, incredible event. I mean, it's really mm. uh, incredibly uh, professional. Uh, this is great. Um, so, so, ha- and so, how long were you at AIM for? Uh, Thirteen and a half years. That I think. is a long time. It is. It is a long time. <laughs> but I guess, you, I guess, there was enough variety there to kind of keep you. Interested. Yeah. Well, AIM was only sort of three or four years in when I joined, so I was very much involved in the growth and the evolution of, yeah. of the organisation so it was always changing yeah absolutely um, and then you went out on your own for a bit and did I the did. B- BBC introducing thing that we mentioned earlier yeah yeah I was self-employed for about 18 months and I consulted for the MMF the Musician Union BBC Music Introducing Live The Great Escape Americana Fest mainly industry organisations and industry events and a kind of common theme through a lot of them being about Supporting and empowering grassroots talent. So yeah, whether right. that's at you know BBC Introducing Live or um, or with the MMF, for example. Yeah, amazing. Um, and so we've got to give Song Trust the plug, given that we're sitting in the Song yes. Trust offices. We are, yeah, shiny new offices. We've yeah. been this week. Uh, so go ahead, Song yeah. Trust. What's that so, about? So I started at Song Trust about nine months ago, and for people who don't know, Song Trust is the world's largest technology solution for global music publishing royalty collection and administration. Um, so it's all about um, making the management of music rights a lot more simple and you know, removing the complexity of the publishing landscape. 
So yeah, it's a great company. It's it's you know headquartered out of the US, and I'm kind of building an awareness of what we do and a client base here, which is it's really exciting to come in at that stage and, and build. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, every part of the music industry needs to be modernised. The Song Trust definitely one yes. of those that are kind of marrying that technology plus. Yeah, it's very innovative, and it's really um, demystifying a sector of the business that a lot of creatives just don't understand. And actually, even managers and record label people, people who've been in the business a really long time, just find publishing so kind of murky and confusing and, and Song Trust is really just tackling that head on and, and providing, you know, really good deals and a lot of transparency. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I, I spent some time in some major record companies and, and certainly there is a division between publishing and the recording sides and yeah. neither seems to know what the other one does. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's true. Yeah. It's a very, very different world. So it's not a surprise that others uh, struggle with it. Okay, right, so let's get into the meat of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So I, I want to bring up this one first because... Um, it's it's it really stood out to me. I think in part because I'd just left Warner at the time, and there was an mm. article April fourth, two thousand and nineteen, mm. um, about the gender pay gap. Yeah, there were some pretty surprising stats. So I'm just gonna yeah. I'm gonna set a baseline, mm-hmm. which is um, in the article, and you can find this on Music Business Worldwide. Um, there was a, they gave the, the UK national average of the imbalance, and it's based on a, a, a particular type of stat, but yeah. um, and that sits at seventeen point nine percent, so kind of eighteen percent kind of imbalance across the country. That's like yeah. every sector, yeah. right? So the biggest music companies in the UK were sitting at thirty percent ish on average imbalance, right? Yeah. In two thousand and eighteen. Um, and Warner came in at nearly 40%, which is just crushing. Yeah. And that was actually, I think, an improvement on the previous years where I think Warner came in at 49%. So, I mean, the music industry has kind of sat up and, and taken notice of yeah. this gender pay gap issue. And there are, you know, task forces in place in the big companies to really try and address this. But, yeah, the stats are still not good for a lot of the big companies. I mean, it's it's really surprising, and we know a little bit like your kind of uh, your example around um, getting the balance right on conferences. I mean, mm. PRS coming under the national average at nine point seven percent. Yeah. I mean, I said this should always be zero percent. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, right. Yeah. That, that's that's the aim, right? <laughs> it's true. But but regardless, you know, it still it demonstrates that there's there's so much that can be done here. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I find the stats really interesting with regard to. But with regards to bonuses as well because mm-hmm. it's an even bigger gap there like men are getting much much bigger bonuses than women across the music industry generally speaking and and that's as interesting as the salary side of it I think I totally agree I mean um, and so I mean, what do you think is happening there like what, why do you why do you think we're in the state that we're in oh, I think it just goes back to the origins of the music industry you know it's it's traditionally had um, white men at the helm of all the companies and in all of the positions of power and and it's you know things are changing now but it's still quite a long road I think and you know while those positions of power are still held primarily by white men then it's going to be hard to um, to make all the changes that we need yeah I mean I guess I guess we're focused on gender diversity because of the international women's yeah. network course you're, you're also referencing yeah I mean diversity is such a big big picture and such a nuanced thing and yeah. you really have to think about intersectionality because even just within gender you know the experiences of 
you know, a woman of colour versus uh, a woman um, with a disability versus a white woman, you know, that all of these people are having a different experience and a different set of challenges and diversity is is a really kind of big, complicated nut to crack. It's uh, just, you've just reminded me of something. Um, I, I did the, the startup podcast series, um, Gimlet Media, it was kind of their flagship one. It was the one that kind of tracked there. Right. But as they went on, they did an episode and, and it was about that. And the, 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 the guy, um, Alex Bloomberg, who was running the company, you know, so started to go down the route of trying to understand whether people feel good and comfortable that the company was growing. And he realized that this kind of diversity issue was way more complicated than he ever thought. You know, because yeah. it, it then gets into things like religious beliefs and things like this, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, for example, the, I was on the UK Music Diversity Task Force when I worked at AIM, and they were doing amazing research that was focused on ethnicity and gender. And I'm really keen to see um, to see research kind of expanded to even cover things like socioeconomic background, because I think the music industry is really close to people who aren't from quite wealthy backgrounds, you know, even being able to pick up an instrument and have lessons or to be able to get an internship without having a dad who knows a CEO. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think there's there's a lot of aspects to diversity that we need to work on. Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. Um, but and just with this this gender pay gap thing, I mean some of the other kind of statistics that were in the r- report kind of focused on they broke it down by like top earnings into quarters if you like. So the sort of top Quartent, quartent, I don't know how to say that. Of our depth if yeah. you start talking about different ways of measuring. But but it was like the, the top earning people uh, in in major companies were it was like sixty yeah. to seventy percent men across all three of them. Yeah. And I mean that's clearly what's kind of tipping some of this balance here, right? But it's yeah. Kind of, kind of to your point about Absolutely. the history. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean the the sort of the the problem at the core of all of the different problems we have around gender in the music industry is that the power is in the hands of, you know, a few white men, generally of a certain age. And, um, you know, if we can if we can kind of diversify the top levels, then hopefully the change that needs to happen will filter down. Yeah. Um, I, mean, it's, I mean, I don't know whether it's the, the right way of looking at the statistics, but in the lower paid groupings, you get the, the more balance yeah. with women and men. Um, in fact, it tips you know more women in the lower paid jobs than it does men, which yeah. know, isn't great. But does that potentially mean that those l- ladies that are in those uh, lower ranked jobs will work their way up, climb the ladder? Well, th- this is the question, isn't it? And time will tell, I think. But the the UK Music Diversity Study that they do every two years found that um, you know at entry level ages and in entry level positions that. You know, women and men are entering the industry in pretty similar numbers, and the problem really is once you get to over 35 or to senior positions, the number of women drops away drastically. And I guess we don't know if if all those women coming in in equal numbers with men in the lower levels are going to rise to the top, and that's going to gradually change, or whether um, there's there's things that are making making women leave the industry or not sort of achieve their full potential. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. I think we'll talk about some of those things in a second. Um, so, the other thing I wanted to pick up on because it feels like the other big one um, is the. Um, well, it started, I think, with the, for the music industry at least, uh, with the BBC Victoria Derbyshire show, mm. um, hot off the uh, Harvey Weinstein scandal that, that yeah. went on in Hollywood, um, sexual harassment. I mean, yeah. 
big, big thing that happened in the last couple of years, right? So I think yeah. we, I think it was um, December 2017 that article came out. So it's a mm. good, good few years now that we've all been kind of living with this, the, yeah. the, Me, the Me Too movement and others. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly become a big talking point um, and it's it's sort of horrible to, to realise how bad things are and how many, you know, women, even just that I know in my friendship circle in music, have, you know, stories of kind of regular sexual harassment and also some quite bad stories, but also kind of day-to-day stories where they're just kind of coping with it and dealing with it. Um, but I don't think the music industry has really had the big kind of Me Too moment that maybe the film industry has been having, um, which is quite interesting. In, in terms of its like sort of general public awareness, because obviously the Harvey Weinstein thing made its way into general, you know, people that aren't in the industry, like they, they were conscious of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I just I don't think as many um, sort of perpetrators in the music industry have been kind of named and removed and suffered consequences and I think we all know that they do exist Um, but you know I mean look how many women it took to come forward and make accusations against Weinstein for two of the charges against him to to be found guilty so it just shows that you know it's it's obviously a a big issue in in music and the wider entertainment industries but actually um, kind of making change in that area is really challenging. Yeah, I mean, some of the stories that, that were in that article were, you know, utterly horrendous. I mean, like, mm. nth degree stuff. Um, but I think for me, um, as this was all kind of unfolding, uh, you know, obviously I've got lots of, uh, you know, female friends that work in the music mm. industry, um, and, you know, watching them kind of post on social media some of their experiences, uh, and it was like, I, I had no idea. You know, yeah. I mean, I guess they wouldn't tell me necessarily, why would they? Yeah. Um, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess there's kind of a whisper network. That, I mean, there certainly is nowadays since all of the Weinstein stuff happened where you kind of hear about stuff that's happened, but people very rarely actually, you know, make accusations and make complaints because it's that often can be worse for the person who who is who has suffered the harassment or the assault than yeah. it is for the, the accused. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, I guess with that, it's just now it's... A thing that people can talk about, perhaps they can talk about it. But yeah. Whereas I think before you couldn't. I mean, yeah, that was that. Like, absolutely, the, the conversation is so important to be having these conversations. And I've seen some really great developments as well. Like Musicians Union have um, have been doing a lot of work in this area. They're they're campaigning to. Um, well, first of all, they did some research that found that freelancers, which most musicians, you know, are, um, suffer sexual harassment more often. Than, um, than employed people. So they're trying to get sort of changes made to the law and they're also campaigning against the use of NDAs to cover up harassment. And so there's, there's a lot of good work going on that's come out of the fact that these conversations are taking place. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it's horrible to hear the stories and see the stats and stuff, but also, you know, there, there is positive action as a result. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting what you're saying there about uh, temporary workers. I mean, I, I guess it's mm-hmm. maybe there's just that sort of thing of, oh, well, they, they won't be here tomorrow type of thing, right? Whereas somebody you work with day to day, you know that you're going to have to see them yeah. the next day. And, you know, a lot of companies these days are, are starting to have, um, you know, sexual harassment policies and grievance procedures yeah. and bullying policy, policies. And that's really good. But I guess freelancers don't necessarily sort of have that protection probably aren't even aware of them mm. and, and, and you know who would you go and talk to anyway about it right yeah 
yeah, that's uh, it's interesting, difficult. Um, okay, uh, so um, you've given me a few other things to talk about. Uh, lack of women on festival bills. Yeah. So t- tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think this is an interesting one because obviously this subject has now been a conversation that people have quite publicly for some years now. And every year you see lineups get kind of ripped apart because there's no gender diversity in them, quite rightly so. You know, they, sh- they should be called out on that. And yet this summer's festival lineups, so many of them are as bad, if not worse, than ever Crazy. on gender. And, um, and, and it's what, just... What's happening here? Why is that the case? I don't know. It's, it's really driving me crazy because th- there's been some great work done lately by um, Vic Bain, who used to be CEO of Basca, uh, where she did some research um, and she called Counting the Music Industry, I think, and everyone should, should read it. It's really interesting about the amount of female artists signed to record labels and writers signed to publishers. And, um, and so she has subsequently started building an online spreadsheet of all of the female artists in the UK and all of the bands that have women in them. Um, and she's built up this list, and I think it's up somewhere like over 800. And yet you look at um, a Reading and Leeds lineup, for example, or, or any number of the festivals that are happening this summer, and, and there's barely any representation. It just doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, it's frustrating, and there's a lot of finger-pointing as well. So the promoters will say, well, we have to book what's popular, and they'll point to the labels and the publishers who maybe haven't signed as much female talent, and, you know, everyone's kind of pointing fingers at a different party, but we can all do better. Absolutely. Um, So uh, this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler for an episode that's going to come just after this one, Uh, but I uh, interviewed um, Harriet from Secret Sessions. Oh, brilliant. And so female-led... Uh, yeah. showcase company if you like mm. um, and she has some really interesting statistics that I'm going to sort of reveal on, on that show about yeah. it um, but it does sound like there is a from again from the, the notes that I have on that that there is a wider problem here just in general about kind of female representation within sort of popular music so to speak yeah. and yeah, that, that, that potentially is having a downward uh, impact on things like festivals and yeah. performances there um, mm. But uh, she, like you, is able to demonstrate that it's not impossible to get something that close to equality. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, this com- brings us back to the, the Key Change programme again, which PRS Foundation started and is an amazing thing that is aiming to get equality across festivals and events. And there's so many festivals that are signed up to the Key Change Pledge, and actually Primavera is one that actually has already, isn't just working towards 50% representation, it's actually already done it and proven that it's possible, and, you know, held a great event. So there are some sort of festival organisers that are, you know, saying it's not possible and and pointing the finger and blaming other people, and I just think they need to get with the programme. Yeah, I mean, just just got to. There's only so long some of those excuses last for, right? Yeah, I mean, they they just sound ridiculous now. Yeah, yeah, they, they sound outdated yeah. for sure. Um, okay, so uh, this is something that I've, I just before we we turned the microphone on, Lara and I were talking about a future episode that I'm going to record with uh, a mutual friend of ours. Um, but issues affecting women having families. This is mm. this is something that. Uh, I mean, you know what I've done in my career. Um, I've, I've employed uh, many young females to work in companies, and I know 
as an employer thinking mm. eventually some of them are going to want to go off and have families and it's something that's always fascinated me because in my career being a, a white male middle-aged mm. as well which doesn't help I'm really hitting all the, uh, the stereotypes here aren't <laughs> I? Um, you know I, I understood that um, taking a break from my career would have been detrimental certainly in the formative years I could probably do it now a little bit mm. um, so I, it's always fascinated me as to how uh, you know women who do want to have families even approach this and I've spoken to a yeah. few different people some people take the approach of yeah I had very little downtime because I just hired a nanny and right. you're like yeah okay but you're fortunate enough yeah, to that's do quite that a privileged right that's quite a privileged position yeah. to be in right um, uh, or perhaps they've got a husband who's you know stay at home dad right that's, that's yeah. fortunately very uh, socially acceptable these days which is great um, but I mean just t- tell us some of your thoughts on this one yeah I think it's so interesting I've watched a few of my friends um, have have babies in the last few years. I I haven't. I don't have any children myself, and it is really challenging for them. I mean, firstly, the the time out is obviously distances them from from their workplace. Um, you know, it's it, that's important time to have with their child. But when then when they come back, there are lots of challenges to reintegrating. And I think the music industry tr- traditionally, I, I know that it's changing with some companies, but traditionally doesn't have very good maternity and paternity packages often it's just like statutory or whatever yeah. whatever is sort of the minimum and doesn't really embrace flexible working as well as some other industries do um, and also it's this sort of round the clock 24-7 business where we're meant to be at gigs at night and festivals at the weekends and travelling a lot for our work yeah, and the, the social side of it the social side yeah and it's really demanding and all of these things don't really add up to um, you know coexisting alongside family commitments and, and that's often where you know women take on sort of more of the, the family commitments and you know this is obviously one of the reasons why we're losing women at, at those kind of past 30 stages yeah yeah absolutely I, 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 this is just reminding me of um, literally this week um, I had somebody from the government it's it Mori uh, come and do a kind of an interview with me to see what sort of after school you know care uh, mm. was available to me and things like that and uh, I mean ultimately there isn't really um, mm. but you know we found things for my daughter to do dance yeah. classes in particular um, but it's clear the government are slightly aware of the fact that this is not great yeah this isn't just a music industry problem really yeah. you know it's a, it's interesting looking at different countries and how how they tackle well, it so i mean you work with americans mm. I, work, I work with americans they they don't have it easy yeah they, no, they, I mean, they have a tough got it really time. tough and then for example like in sweden so obviously spotify are a big player in the music industry they they have kind of great um packages for you know parents yeah. and people with families and, and that sort of thing. So you know the, the music industry has got a lot of modernising to do in, on this side of things for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I, I, I hope that it, it uh, improves. Um, so one thing I think I just want to kind of make clear. I think we've said it a few times. What, whenever whenever this subject comes up, mm. I would like to think, and I'm fairly sure I'm correct, that any woman who is uh, an advocate for equality genuinely means equality they, they just want balance they don't, yeah. they don't want it to be yeah. special rights for women right yeah absolutely yeah that's that's what it's all about and I'm, I'm always sort of um, concerned that people don't think I'm, I'm not anti-men 
And um, so it's because well, you sent me a note, and this is this really stood out to me: the importance of having male allies. Yeah, yeah, I really wanted to talk so about this key. actually because yeah. I think I feel like a lot of the women in music stuff I've done has, at, at times, it's been in a bit of a vacuum or an echo chamber where it's lots of women in a room kind of agreeing that we deserve equality and that we're gonna so you know help change. each other out and stuff and. and those things are, are so important, those networks and those meetups and stuff, but we're not going to really move the dial unless unless kind of men are involved in the conversation and the narrative as well. And there are actually some brilliant, like lots of incredible male allies across the music industry who want equality as well. Um, and so I think that the more we have this conversation and, and make change together, that's that's how we're going to get where we need to be. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 <clears throat> certainly I felt... When, when I first became, you know, when it first became something that people talked about and there were some of the things that you'd set up, the women in music type of things, mm. uh, I, w- I did feel a little excluded, I'll be honest with you. Like I kind of yeah. wasn't really, you know, to be part of a conversation and that always felt slightly weird. It's definitely yeah. changed now, like I don't think like that anymore. But when it first happened, that was that was genuinely my kind of like yeah, thought process. Yeah, that, that's useful to hear. I think we need to, we need to work on that and, you know, make everyone feel involved. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, because otherwise, it's not going to work. It just isn't. I, you know, I've been at enough sort of small companies that have grown, and typically, any concept of diversity is kind of thrown out the window when you're very small, right? Because you're just literally hiring the few people you can either afford or like that you mm-hmm. know anyway the, within your own network, perhaps, right? Yeah. Um, but what, when they start to grow, the 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 importance of needing to have balance in the company, yeah. because otherwise it. it creates a horribly awful environment. Yeah, and also I think, you know, the stats that show that a more diverse board or leadership of a company is more likely to make them successful. Definitely. Um, so, you know, if, if people aren't sold on diversity just because it's the right thing to do, then maybe they'll be sold on it because they can be more successful. Yes, absolutely. I love that. That's very good. Um, okay, so uh, I'm trying to keep these podcasts into a sort of smaller chunk size we're getting towards the end oh no because I'm worried that we've just talked about all of the issues and I want to kind of talk about celebrating all the great women who are role models and all the great positive stuff that's Good. happening I do, I, I do have a note on that but okay. um, <laughs> I, so I've got two, two, two last things one is that so we can do that first if you like and then the other one was um, tips for, for young women coming into the industry yeah. but if there are other things you want to talk about I am all ears yeah. There's literally okay. no tape. It's a, it's a memory card. It will okay. go on forever. So you go Yeah, I mean, I guess there, there are so many uh, women in the music industry who are working so hard on this topic and doing amazing things. So, like Andrea and Harriet, as she said so, have built this incredible network that if there are any young women listening to this, they should definitely get Check involved in. Um, there's all the great work that PRS Foundation have done with Key Change. Um, and for me personally, there's, there's loads of people who inspire me in the music industry. So uh, Carla Marie Williams is an amazing producer who also runs Girls I Rate, which is a network um, that really kind of helps women who are songwriters and producers. Alison Wenham, we talked about earlier, has always been really pioneering in this space and you know, given a lot of opportunities to me and other people who've worked for her through the years to really kind of you know, fulfill their potential. Um, Kanye King from the Mobos, I mean, she started that on, I think, a Prince's Trust grant years ago as a single mum and has built, like, this incredible organisation. So I think it's really important to know that there are are great role models out there and there's a lot of incredible work being done. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Um, so any uh, tips other than kind of looking up some of those? I mean, I think th- yeah. maybe some of your experiences. I don't know if you want to share any of those or not. Things that, to look yeah. out for or I think be conscious of. I guess, so is this advice for kind of young women entering yeah, the so, so, that sort of thing? So, yeah, the podcast is aimed at people coming into the industry. Yeah. So anything that you would, like if you met someone today, what would you say yeah, to them? Yeah, I mean, I think in my early 20s in the industry, I was kind of shy and nervous and when I was in meetings and I was sat around a table with lots of older more experienced people I you know didn't necessarily contribute my ideas and my thoughts um, and so I think just kind of take up space and don't be afraid to you know your, your ideas are good they're worth hearing um, you know don't kind of wait until you're over 30 and you get that kind of natural confidence that apparently sure. arrives at that point to you know to sort of have a voice and be heard. Um, so that would be one of them and also actually building your own network of um, like peers other women in music that you know that's been incredible for me Um, I have a lot of female friends in the music industry and and you know we it's great then because when you go into events and you're like oh I don't know if I know anyone at this big industry event then you know you'll see someone in your network and, and feel a lot more comfortable and you can really support each other through through the sort of ups and downs of life in the music industry. Yeah, mentorship as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, mentoring is really important. And I took part in She Said So's program as a mentor a couple of years ago, which was a really fun thing to do. And I've had brilliant mentors myself. Oh, another person I should mention actually is Remy Harris. Ah. Yeah, yes. you, you worked with Remy. She was at AIM as well. She's um, she's a force to be reckoned with as well, right? She's fantastic, and yeah, she's yeah. been like a sort of unofficial mentor to yeah. me through the years, and and um, she does incredible stuff in diversity. She actually wrote the original um, diversity charter for UK Music wow. um, many years ago. Um, so yeah, there's there's all these great kind of people in the industry. So form form a network, find your peers, and. And uh, that, that really pays off, I think. Yeah, I've, I've spoken about the importance of networks before on the podcast, but um, I mean, certainly for that particular reason, if nothing else, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, very good. Um, so, anything else you want to talk about? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I guess one of the important things is just that with this whole kind of um, women in music thing, the, the, the bigger diversity picture is, is so important. And, you know, I, I think it is really important that we are talking about representation of LGBTQ people and, you know, the issues that people with disabilities in music face and, um, you know, ethnicity and the challenges that people of colour face. It's, you know, it's, it's a much bigger topic than, than women in music. Oh, definitely, yeah. I, I probably should expand on this topic uh, of diversity. Yeah, um, I mean, you, in, could in do, future you could episode. do dozens of podcasts. I should probably get Remy on. I should, yes. I should give Remy a call. Yes, that'd be Remy's great. brilliant. Yeah, that'd be very good. Awesome. Thank you very much yeah. for that. My pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Happy International Women's Day, everybody. Indeed, <laughs> yes. Go out and celebrate. Uh, good. Okay, so um, to my listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, as ever, I welcome all feedback, comments, and suggestions for future shows. My Twitter handle is at Alex Branson. Uh, put podcast DM in a message if I don't follow you uh, and I'll follow you back uh, or simply head to the website www.abcmusic.co you'll find a contacts page there with my email address on um, and also you'll find the Rota logo to get you 10% off discount for the service <laughs>